Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hallelujah. Glad you're here. This is an important weekend. We are launching into the next facet of what we believe is our mission for 2019. And when I talk about the facet of of this mission, I'm talking about one specific part of who we are that we're going to talk about for the next uh, three weekends. And the topic specifically is going to be consecration, as we believe if you've been here uh, since the beginning of the year. Um, we talked about the very first weekend, the very first few weeks of this new year, I kind of brought my heart to you, kind of shared my heart, and gave you what I feel like the Holy Spirit had been telling me since way back in October that the emphasis for this year, 2019, was going to be a time of consecration, a time of sanctification. What does that mean? I'm going to go over and give you some review. But if you were not here, if you're, if you're a newcomer over the past few weeks, please go to the website, please go online and go listen to the messages from the very beginning of the year, because this is all going to tie into that. And this is going to be a predominant theme. It is time under the direction of the Holy Spirit to, for, for some of us to sanctify some areas of our lives for the first time, to consecrate them, to set them apart, represent them to the Lord again in a fresh way. For some, for the first time, you may be doing this. For others, it may be time we realize hey, listen, this area of my life has kind of gotten out of control, has gotten out from under God's influence, is not really being impacted by the Lord anymore. I need to take this area of my life and bring this back under the influence of God and bring it into a place where it becomes holy again. You remember that word, holy? Becomes holy again. And you know, holiness is different for a bunch of different people. Some people try to wear holiness like a badge. Holiness is the areas of your life that are open to the public where it is seen that that area is directly under the influence of God. Amen? Amen. So let's jump in. So consecration is the act of dedicating something or someone for a special use and usually pertains to committing oneself to God. Consecration involves cutting off some things. There's some things in order for us to consecrate our lives, there is some conduct that has to stop. There is some conduct that we have to reintroduce into our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. So it involves cutting off something. That's going to mean a lot more in the next few weeks. It requires walking away from those things which harm our relationship with God. Again, I'm reviewing here this topic of consecration. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I want to read that to you again from the Passion paraphrase, the Passion translation, Romans chapter 12. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. You see that inward, it's an inward thing. Consecration starts on the inside. 
Consecration that you try to put on from the outside becomes very phony, very, very um, surfacey. It's not genuine. People can see it from miles around. All it is a bunch of, and I've seen this, super spiritual people trying to put something on that they are really not, and it stinks. I don't know if you've encountered that. I have, okay? So he goes on to say here that uh, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So we know that it starts here. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. You know, since we live in a culture that's constantly promoting things that are contrary to God's will, and I don't think there's ever been a time like now that we're seeing it so blatantly, so much is being promoted, so much is being endorsed, so much is being shoved down our throat, that has nothing to do with the scriptures. In fact, it's totally contrary, not only to the, to the scriptures, but to the nature and to the character of God. Do not let this junk settle on you. Do not let it be, do not tolerate it. Do not let it become something that go, you know, because so many people, oh, well, you know what it is? It's the 21st century, we should expect this. Or it's the end times, we should expect this. It does not mean that it has to settle on you. The message that Paul preached was don't be conformed, be transformed. Amen? So, we have, we have the responsibility to, to take an inventory of our lives every once in a while and, and come to the, to the understanding and come to the realization and come to the awareness of, is my life, spirit, soul, and body, is it under the influence of God? Or am I just living my life partially for God? Am I living my life for God when I come to church? Am I living my life for God you know, when I'm around other Christians? Or are there areas of my life? Or is, you know, am I living my life for God spiritually, but then I do whatever I want with my appetites and do anything I want with my things, do anything I want with my emotions? God, Jesus paid for all of us. I don't mean all of us corporately. I mean all of us. He paid for our entire being with his blood. And he wants what he paid for. Turn to somebody, say, Jesus wants what he paid for. Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says it so, so clearly. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify. What does that mean, sanctify? To set apart, to make it special, to dedicate, to consecrate. May he sanctify you completely, or some, some versions say holy, holy with a W, holy entirely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a process that's designed to bring us closer and closer to God and to be more and more effective as his disciples. You know, we're only going to be as effective, we're only going to be effective as his disciples to the extent that, the, that every part of our life is under the control of God, is walking according to the word, is, is thinking like God, speaking like God, acting like God. Say, well, I, I just can't do that. No, you can't do it on your own. But the more that we draw close to him, the more that we are obedient to him, when the Holy Spirit begins to show you on the inside, hey, listen, you're starting to act this way, you're starting to think this way, you're starting to talk this way, and it's not glorifying God, we should immediately take hold of that area, uh, ask God's forgiveness, repent for that thing, turn around, go in a different direction, and not continue to conduct ourselves that way. That's how we draw closer and closer. Now, he's with us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us, right? But you see, it's, a, it's not a matter of him coming closer to us physically. It's a matter of us being more and more aware of his presence. 
Are you listening to me? We are supposed to be living God inside minded, aware of God's presence, aware of who he is, aware of of the fact that he loves us and he cares for us, but he also wants to to train us and to disciple us and to shape us and mold us so that we can be as effective as possible on the earth. Okay, listen, every one of our lives, there is somebody that God has placed in your proximity that you're supposed to influence, that you're supposed to disciple, that you're supposed to reach out to them. And so for the sake of the lost, for the sake of the ones that don't know Christ yet, you and I need to get every area of our lives under his control so that no matter what area of life it is, it always reflects our Savior. Amen? Amen. So this weekend, now, now gird yourselves up. If you have to hold on to your chair, hold on to your chair. Because this weekend, we are talking about money. Da, 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 da. <laughs> give, it, give you a second to get over it. Now, in the original New You series in the beginning of the year, I made this statement that every sin, every enemy of God residing in us will always fall into one of two categories. It's either going to be related to money or it's going to be related to an appetite that we have. When appetite, I'm not talking about whether you like pepperoni pizza or you like a plain. I'm talking about our emotional appetites, the cravings that we have, the, the type of, 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 of um, fulfillment that we seek. Many times we have residue in us from our old lives that still want to pull us back. It still wants to to grab a hold in our emotions and pull us back to an area that maybe was not, was not godly. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a selfishness to pull you into an area of being self-centered, to try to fulfill something. So, so we need to talk about these things. We need to talk about this stuff. And listen, it, it, one of the areas that, that Christians, I'm talking about believers now, get into big trouble because they don't understand what God has said about it is the area of finances and the area of money. There's so many Christians, I don't know what it is. It's, I don't know if it's a lack of training or just a resistance or a, a just a, a, a selfishness. So many Christians think you can live your life, there's this spiritual side of you, and then there's the natural side, and the money falls into the natural side. So the money is all yours. You decide what you're going to do with it. You decide where it's going to go. You decide how you're going to make it, how you're going to spend it, if you're going to spend it. If you're going to, you decide all these things, and God's like, if it wasn't that I gave you breath to earn that, if it wasn't that I gave you opportunities for that, if it wasn't that I sent blessing into your life, you wouldn't have five cents. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to get that many amens, but might as well turn to somebody who's telling the truth. So this weekend, we're going to tackle the money issue. All right, now, let me just give you a couple of quotes from some famous people. Zig Ziglar, great Christian uh, businessman, great Christian encourager. This is what he had to say. Money isn't the most important thing in life, but it is reasonably close to oxygen on the got to have it scale. John MacArthur, Bible teacher, notable Bible teacher, said this, 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus deal with money. One out of 10 verses in the New Testament deals with that subject. 
Scripture offers about 500 verses on prayer, fewer than, fewer than 500 on faith, and over 2,000 on money. Oh, you shouldn't talk about money in church. You haven't read your Bible. So, get this deep in you. See, we all come from diverse backgrounds. I don't know what your spiritual training has been. I don't know what your religious training has been. I don't know what your church background has been. Some people have come out of backgrounds that they literally teach where God does not want you to have anything. God does not want you to have any kind of wealth. God doesn't even want you to have your needs met. He just wants you to live in total abject poverty because that's, that's spiritual. The scriptures don't uphold that. Get this inside your heart. God is not opposed at you having your needs met. In fact, God is very much in favor of you having your needs met and having extra so you can help somebody else that's in need. Get that in your heart. Amen? More money is the root of all No, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It depends on what you do with it. Man, it's going to be fun. To, it's really going to be fun. Yeah. He never said he was against having our needs met. As much as God knows we need it, however, watch this now. He wants us to fiercely guard against money having us. He's not against you having money. He is against the money having you. Understand that. And that's what we're here to learn about. So I know some of you saying, oh, no, God, you know, pastor's going to talk about money. I don't know. Yeah, he is. He is. And, and you want to know why? Because when you know the truth about something, and you don't tell it, it is sin. When you know the truth about something and you withhold it because you're worried about what people are going to think, I'll be honest with you, I love you all. Love you all very much. I love the sheep of this pasture. I love my job. I love the, the position that God has placed me in, the responsibility he's placed me in. But let me just tell you something real clear. I made a decision a long time ago. I am not going to let the opinions of people rule in my life. I'm not going to let the opinions of people sway me. I am not going to let, I could care less. Truthfully, I love you all, but you didn't put me in this position. God did. And my responsibility, and because I love my job, I will do my best to tell the truth from the scriptures. And for me to, to, to not touch this subject, and for me, because I, I am, listen, I, my wife and I can talk just like Paul. We know what it's like to be abased, and we know what it's like to abound. We know what it's like to be really down there scraping the barrel, and we know what it's like to live in abundance, okay? Let me just tell you ahead of time, abundance is a whole lot better. Because when you're in abundance, you can help people that are scraping. But if you're scraping, how are you going to help somebody else that's scraping? I tell this story all the time whenever I touch on this subject. Many years ago, I had a, had a person visit this church. First time they came here. Meets me in the, in the hallway, right out there by my office, okay? And says to me, says to me, is this one of them prosperity churches? I said to him, I sure hope so. I wouldn't want somebody coming here and getting more poor than what they were before they got here. And I said to this person, do you realize that this ministry, at that time, at that time, we were only feeding about seven or 800 families. We've been up to 1,400 families. I said to him at that time, you realize we feed six, seven, 800 families? Do you think we could do that if we were a poverty church? Do you think we could help the families of this community and the surrounding communities and the communities in Bayville and the communities in Tom's River and the communities in Lakewood? Do you think we could help those families? Do you think we could take the pressure off of those households 
If we were a church that was absolutely poor, no. There's no way to do that. There's no way to do that. Amen? Listen, I, I'm going to tell you from my heart. I made up my mind on the very first day that I ever went to a Christian church that I would never withhold my money or anything else that God wanted from me. Never. I just knew. Nobody taught me. I just knew. It was like it just dropped in my heart. I knew on the inside that my relationship with Christ had to be all-inclusive. It couldn't be, well, you could have this, but you can't have that. Consecration is about saying, God, what is it? What do I have that you need? What do, I, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to sow into somebody else's life? What do you want me to do? Is it time? Is it love? Is it forgiveness? Is it finances? You say, well, yeah, well, I guess it was easy for you. you, you honey, you don't know. You don't know. The trials and tribulations that we've been through in finances, in bankruptcy, losing businesses, losing homes, losing cars. But no matter what, whether it's up or down, we never stop giving. We never, whatever we could, whatever we could. We never withheld the time. I'm going to be saved 35 years this coming April. Never once in those 35 years, even in the worst of times, we never withheld our tithes. We never withheld our offerings. I'm telling you, I don't think that we would be living the life. I don't think we would have the ministry that we have. I don't think my family would be blessed. I don't think any of that would happen if we did not receive revelation from God early on about not withholding, not holding back our finances from God. Consecrating my finances to God. I want you to hear this good. Consecrating my finances to God, watch this now, takes my money out of the natural realm and brings it into the spiritual realm. Brings it into the spiritual realm. Are you listening? It makes it holy. Just going to throw this at you. Just going to throw this at you. When they built the temple in Jerusalem, when Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, and they had to not only build the building, but they had to construct all of the implements, all of the utensils, that they were going to use for worship, because remember, it's a place of sacrifice. There's animals that are going to be slaughtered. There's, there's, there's implements that need to be designed, utensils, buckets for catching the blood because the blood was brought on the altar and sacrificed to God. Every single implement, in order to be used in the service of the temple, had to be stamped on it, holy unto the Lord. Now, you don't take something that's holy unto the Lord and use it for anything else. If you want... You want to find out what happened? Go read about the king of Babylon. When he decided to take the utensils that were declared holy unto God, that he robbed from the temple in Jerusalem, brought them back to Babylon, and he decides to have a drinking party one night, gets drunk with all his friends using the sacred utensils. And the hand comes and begins to write on the wall. That'll make you get sober real quick. You've been weighed and found wanting. And that night, his kingdom was taken from him. You don't take what's holy and use it for other things. Are you listening? No more than we should allow our body. Paul said that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. This is all about consecration, all about dedication, all about sanctifying, all about making sure that what God declared is holy, we keep holy. Amen? Amen. So, some people could say, that God really doesn't care about what we do with our money. John Hagee had this to say. 
Since my money is God's money, every spending decision I make is a spiritual decision. Think about it. Think about it. Every, every, every time you spend money, you've got to ask yourself the question, what am I spending this on? Is this going to glorify God? Okay, now listen, don't get crazy, because I know, I've known families throughout the years that they get way out of balance on this thing. And if anything you're going to find out about this series, it's balance, okay? And I, I've known families, one particular family I can think of. Every penny, that, every penny they had went to the church. Every penny they had went to the church. Their kids went without sneakers. Their kids went without the right food. Their kids, you know, their kids couldn't get the things that they needed in the house. Oh, but all that money went to the church. That's not God. God, God teaches us to put our families first. Amen. Amen? Amen? Maybe some of you haven't found out yet. God wants you to take care of your family. God doesn't want your, your kids starving so that you can go and, and give big money so that the pastor's going to be put your name on a brick someplace. You take care of your family first so that those kids will serve God in the future. And God will make sure that you have extra. If your heart's there, God will make sure that you have extra to give to this project or that project or pay your tithes and give offerings. We'll get into it some more. So to answer that question, does God really care? Well, let me, let me take you to a story in the New Testament, you know, because I think our attitude about money speaks volumes. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax. He's not just a regular tax collector. He's the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone down, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Think about this. Chief tax collector, been robbing people for years, Okay. Verse 9, I want you to hone in on this. If you think that God doesn't care about our attitudes, our attitudes about money, think of this phrase right here, this, this, this verse of Scripture. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. What did Jesus observe in Zacchaeus' heart? What changed? Jesus, watch this now. Jesus equated the change in Zacchaeus' heart towards money as an indication that this man, had his heart had changed, he had been converted, he had come to a place in faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus declares, today, salvation has come to this man's house. And you say, and you think, that money, the way you handle your money, what you do with your money, and your attitude towards money, God doesn't care about? Jesus cared about it. Jesus observed the change in this man's personality. Jesus observed that something drastic had shifted in this man's heart. And what was it based on? His attitude towards money. His attitude towards money. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't have that kind of experience. I'm not boasting. I'm just giving you my story 
Just giving you my story. I never have. My wife and I have never had a problem giving. Never. Never. You got to understand something? I was raised in a very generous household. Okay? I thank God for my parents. I thank God for my grandparents. The, the, the legacy that had left our families is a legacy of generosity. My par- you know, and even though we weren't all born again back then, we didn't know the Bible, but we knew this. In our hearts, we knew that it was our responsibility to help other people that were in bad shape, the people that might have been in worse shape than we were in, okay? So I was raised in that, that kind of household. I was raised with that. It was a natural thing for us to be generous. So coming into Christianity and coming into this born-again experience is no big deal. Yeah, it's God's. If it wasn't for him, you understand something. Coming from an immigrant background, if any of you come from an immigrant background, my God, we're grateful that the Lord brought us to this country. Are you kidding me? And, and if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't come from that kind of background, just imagine what it would be like, okay? We're so used to stuff in our nation here in our country, how easy it is. You say, well, I don't know where you live, but it's... No, honey, listen. The, the worst person in this country lives better than some, some well-off people in other countries, okay? We got to thank God for this nation. Thank God for how he's blessed. Thank God for his grace upon this country. Thank God for the prosperity that he has blessed America with. But when you don't have that, and then you come here, you thank God for the opportunities that you got. So, so we've never had that kind of struggle. And, and I believe that God has used that. And, and I'm, I'm not bragging. I, we don't know how to be anything else. So it's not like we've got to put this stuff on. But please, if you haven't been raised that way, and we've got to acknowledge the fact that some people have not been raised that way. Some people have been raised uh, especially if you, you come out of a household where, where, you know, generations before you had it really, really tough. You know, there's a fear that comes. There, there's a fear when you think that you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage, you can't pay your rent, can't pay your car payment. And, that, and the devil will use that fear to eat your lunch. So I encourage you, please, all the more reason, pay attention to what the scriptures say about finances, what the scriptures say about God's will as it pertains to, to prosperity on your life, okay? Because there's Christians that live and die and never experience the blessing of God in that area. Oh, oh, they know how to pray. They know how to, they know how to believe God maybe for healing, but there's something in their background that, that prohibits them or inhibits them or just an obstacle in their lives for them to believe, well, you know, we're just not, you know, we're just not worthy of that kind of blessing. No, Jesus made you worthy for that kind of blessing. Listen, he wants the gospel to be preached. Do you understand that the gospel can't be preached if somebody doesn't put some money up so that equipment could be bought, so Bibles could be bought, so script, script, put, scriptures could be put in print, online? Just the gospel's got to get out there. That's God's main focus on blessing us. Not so that we can have tremendous opulent wealth, it's so that we can have resources to be able to bless people and bless families and bless individuals and encourage people and, and reach communities. My God, we're able to bless Central Ocean County with a brand new campus because God blessed us, because God gave us the ability. God gave us favor. God gave us open doors, miraculous open doors. But we were ready. We're ready to jump in and ready to do what we needed to do so that we can bless. Now we're getting ready to go into some other areas. We'll be talking about that uh, possibly in the next month or so. Why? Because God's given us favor. He's, he's prospered us. 
so that we can go ahead and reach other communities. You should be happy about that. Zacchaeus changed his heart about money. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this man's house. Consecrating our finances unto God. I want you to hear, I got to move real quick. I want you to hear this, so pay attention closely. Consecrating our finances brings us to a place of safety, security, and stability. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be real honest with you. My heart goes out to people that have not received this revelation as it, comes to, as it pertains to finances. Because I've seen people live under this doom and gloom cloud, this, this fear, this constant living under dread that tomorrow some calamity is going to come and you're just not going to have the money. You're going to get sick and you're not going to have the money to be cared for. Something's going to happen to your car. You're, not, you're just constantly live under that dread. And I tell you from my heart, I pray that the Holy Spirit gives you this revelation. You do not have to live under that kind of pressure. He is your God. He is your Father. He cares for you. He will provide all your needs if you'll trust him. If you would resist that fear, it's, I don't care what my emotions are telling me. I don't care what the enemy's whispering in my head. No, I will trust my God. He is going to supply my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. When my finances are completely under God's control, I can go on in life without, without feeling that, that anxiety, without being full of anxiety. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Jesus speaking. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So do not worry saying. Do not worry saying. Say that with me. Do not worry saying. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? See, that's where you got. Those of you that are experiencing fear when it comes to finances, catch it before you say it. So many walk around, oh, man, my checkbook is empty. My bank account's empty. My gun on. Shut up. You're not the only one that's hearing that. Your enemy is hearing that. Your heart is hearing that. Don't ever let your heart hear something that your mouth should not be speaking. Jesus said, I want to make sure I say, I want, do not worry, saying. Turn to somebody, say, do not worry, saying. Listen, look, 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 look. If you're going to worry, let it stay here. Don't let it come out of here. Because once it comes out of here, it takes on a life of its own. Look at verse 32. For the pagans run after all these things. You're not a pagan, you're a believer. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and, and repeat this after me, one, two, three. And all these things will be given to you as well. They're just things. It's, there's no way impossible for God to supply the things that you need and give you more so you could supply somebody else's things. Stability. As much as we do need money to live on this planet, we can sometimes get out of balance. There's some people get out of balance. Man, all they talk about is money. All they want to make is money. All they want to do is just money, 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 money. That's out of balance. I don't care who you are. That's out of balance. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. 
Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give, watch, look at this, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. God's saying, look, the Holy Ghost is saying through the, through the person that wrote this proverb. He's saying, walk in balance, walk in stability. Keep things right. Keep your relationship with God right. Keep your relationship with money right. If you're a type of person that can't handle wealth, then don't pray for it. Pray for an education first. But I'm not kidding you. Pray. Pray that God will teach you how to handle wealth. God can't give wealth to a fool. God can't give wealth to somebody who can't. Would you give, would you give your four-year-old the keys to your, your Corvette? You got to be crazy. You know what he's going to do. He's going to smash that thing and hurt himself and probably kill somebody else in the process. You think God is not that wise? So if you, if, let me tell you something. If you desire to handle wealth, and I don't mean selfishly, because God has ordained certain individuals in the body of Christ and give them businesses and give them careers and give them the ability to, to raise wealth because he knows there'll be a pipeline. It's not going to stop with them. If he blesses them, it's just going to just, just, just get funneled to whoever needs it. And let me tell you something. If you haven't experienced the blessing of helping somebody, if you haven't experienced the blessing of having God tell you, listen, I want you to bless this family. I want you to go bless that individual. I want you to go give this. I want you to go, I want you to go pay somebody's mortgage. I want you to buy somebody a car. I want you to give somebody your car. If you've never ex experienced that blessing, ask him to give you the opportunity. And you're not going to start out overnight. Get, you're not going to make you give $100,000. First of all, you probably don't have $100,000. But he might start out with a pair of shoes. He might start out with a meal. He might, he might lead you to go get somebody a Wawa $20 gift card so they can buy themselves coffee in the morning and think about you every time they pull that card out. They're going to thank God for it. Start someplace. Start with an education so that it brings stability, so that wealth doesn't become a destructing force in your life. Amen? Amen. He doesn't want you poor. Why? He said, that I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. God doesn't want you in that position. He wants you in a position of stability. He wants you in a position of, 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 of prosperity. A prosperity, the fact that if, you, if God says to you, I want you to give so-and-so $20, you have $30 in your pocket. You listening? Oh, we'll get it. Consecrating our finances to God causes us to remember they are not mine but his. It's a challenge for some people. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. Haggai. When was the last time you read that one in the Old Testament? Chapter 2, verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And it brings us to a place of security. When our finances are connected to God, when they are marked by him, when they belong to him, when he's the one that calls the shots in our finances, now God takes responsibility for protecting and for directing them. We have an enemy who wants to drive us far from God. He wants us to be filled with fear. But if, we, will have, if we, will have a, we have a God who honors his promise, and if we'll trust him, he will honor those promises. He will protect your finances. He will protect your investments. He will protect your career, your job. He'll protect it. 
But if you're using it all for yourself and you're like, no, this is mine, guess what? You better stay up at night because you're on your own. You listening to me? You now have to protect me. You now have to be responsible for that. I don't want to be responsible for that. I want to sleep at night. I don't want to have to stay up all night worrying about who's robbing, who's taking. Was my job going to get taken from me? Am I, am I going to lose my business? Are my investments going to dry up? No, I, I want to sleep at night, peaceful. It's all yours, God, here. You gave it to me, I give it right back to you. However you want to direct, you want, you want it to. Well, you know, when, when God is challenging you to give something, I know, I know I, I, I'm going to finish this up. Okay, just give me another minute. I'm going to finish this up. When God speaks to you, and says, I want you to help such and such a person. I want you to bless such and such a family. Look at it this way. It's all his. Amen. It's like God saying, hey, Joe, do you mind? I want to take $500 out of my account that I gave you uh, to be manager over, and I want to take it from that account, and I want to put it in so-and-so's account. What are you going to tell him? It's his. Do you know what they call people who do the wrong things with somebody else's money? Embezzlers. You can go to jail and visit them. It's his. It's, listen to me. It's his. Now, we've had the pleasure, my wife and I, uh, and again, not bragging on me, just giving you, giving you some examples to follow, just, just trying to inspire you. Just about every year for the past at least five, six, maybe seven years, We'll, 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 we'll get impressed that God wants us to bless an individual or a couple or a family. And we'll, we'll come up with a figure between the two of us and we'll, and we'll go to that person and say, listen, for the next 12 months, we're going to give you X amount of dollars every month because we, we believe in you, we love you, we want to invest in you. And I can't tell you what that does to an individual. I can't tell you what it does to us to know that, that God has blessed us so that we can bless others. And I know, there's, I know there's, there's many of you, and you know exactly what I'm talking about because you know God's used you in the same way. Can't tell you the blessing of what it's like to be able to, to just take a car that's paid off and give it to somebody. Say, here, here. We've had, we've had the honor and the privilege of doing that three, four, five times in our life at least. Can't tell you, the, but watch this now. That didn't happen overnight. We, I've been in this thing for 35 years now. When I say this thing, I've been walking with God now for 35 years. And it's one thing, he gave me such a revelation about our finances and how they need to be connected to the kingdom, okay? I'm getting ahead of myself in the next couple of weeks, but listen to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close. But listen to me, if your money is not on a mission for God, it is not producing what it could be producing. Your money, your finances have got to be marked. They've got to have a seal on them that these belong to God. I get to use them while I'm here. I get to feed my family with it. I get to, I get to live in a house with it. I get to have a car. I get to, but the extra, it's got to have a mark on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this question. Does your money have a mission? Is there a mandate on your finances? Because, and it's got to be the kingdom. It can't be yours. Yeah, you know, uh, I had a dream of being retired by the time I was 30 years old. Yeah, 
I, I, I semi-fulfilled that. I was unemployed in bankruptcy, walking the streets. So you could say I was living a retired lifestyle. So I had an agenda, okay? But when you take what you have, even the ability for you to produce wealth, and many of you are, are just amazing uh, entrepreneurs and just individuals, your careers, you can produce major wealth. But if, they're not, if you have not dedicated them to God, they're not producing what they could. See, he's not obligated to multiply what you want to hold on to. He's only obligated to multiply what you will give away. Are you listening? Stand up. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you so much that you care for us, that you have provided for us in the area that brings us the most worry and anxiety, Father. Your love for us has given us instruction to follow so we can live here on earth free from concern, protected by you, so that we may see your divine purpose revealed and accomplished through our partnership with you, Father. Help us to be obedient, to bring our finances into order according to your word. We desire every area of our life to be dedicated and consecrated unto you, Father. May everything we have bear the mark of the kingdom of God so it may produce fruit and fruit that remains. I pray this, Father, over every single individual listening to my voice, that the revelation of the consecration of finances will become so real and so alive on the inside of every single person that we would walk the rest of our lives in complete peace, contentment, and just walk in the confidence that you are the one who provides all of our needs. We bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.